Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about B2B, how you can build marketing engines. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Katya Bovikina. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on today. Ah, for me, it's a big pleasure. I want to learn more. I check out your stuff. I know that you know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know how to share value. And even more, it's interesting, you know, uh, I met many times uh, Katerina in my life. <laughs> I love this name because my mom is Katerina. Uh, my ex-wife, yeah, she's good, you know, uh, Katerina. So, and right now I want to learn more about from Katerina. Before we start, just tell more about your self-experience background and why you decided to share with us about marketing for B2B and building marketing agents. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like I've been in B2B for for most of my really career in marketing. Um, and, you know, I started um, with some of the B2B clients when I was back at the agency. And then I joined um, an in-house team for a B2B a software company for and I went uh, stayed there for about six years and so kind of learned an in and out of the B2B in-house for a software company, um, you know, just really went into and did like a deep dive into it in-house. And then about just over a year ago, I decided to go on my own and set my own consulting practice. And so since then, I've been working with uh, many B2B um, companies, startups, and some of the more mature companies as well, um, purely B2B. So I only do B2B and I specialize in software and technology companies. And so um, my biggest motivator to go on my own and to kind of start my own consulting practice was to go and help um, the B2B companies build their engines, as you say, right? So build their kind of these marketing ecosystems because what I found in my line of work when I was in in-house is that there's just not enough information or it's structured or you kind of really have to go and out there and really look hard for it when it comes to really building the uh, the marketing um, systems, marketing kind of lead management models and build out um, overall these like marketing machines for B2B. And so inspiration is out there, but it's really kind of, you know, piece here, a little piece there. And so um, I thought I was able to build that uh, machine um, at, at the company. And so I kind of took some of these sort of knowledge, put them more into a playbox. And now I do work with, um, with some of the um, sometimes smaller, sometimes kind of medium-sized businesses that are in B2B um, technology companies and help them build, help them build their systems um, that are efficient and that are kind of generating results and that are um, they're performance-based essentially. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. You know, it's interesting that I got the message about you uh, from my audience. Someone uh, asked me, uh, what is the age of this girl? You know, she's so young. <laughs> I, I replied, yeah, yeah, She she's young. She looks young, but she's so smart, you know, so check out the <laughs> stuff and you can understand that it's valuable to learn from Katerina. So, yeah, uh, and uh, I'm so excited you shared about your experience love it and i have the first question can you tell what is the main difference between b2b and b2c uh, because i see when marketers use the same approaches for b2c for b2b uh, by using generic uh, templates marketing channels but uh, yeah we we need to consider personalization that uh, our customers are different can you tell from your experience how to differentiate them and what is the main difference yeah, that's a good question. And um, I think you're very, like, I think you're right in terms of when you look on the surface, you see a lot of B2B companies and B2C companies using very similar techniques, right? When it comes to SEO, you kind of have the best practices uh, for both. When it comes to some of the paid um, channels, 
it's also you can see very similar techniques that you're using as in terms of like keyword research and things like that right um when it comes to kind of like some of the other things like okay it seems like you know it's marketing is marketing sometimes right but when you kind of i think for me the big difference is when you dig sort of one layer dip deeper and go into sort of but what is the what does it look like from from the kind of the back end of the marketing um engine right of that marketing thing and that's why i find that b2b is starting to then have some of these difficulties uh sorry differences and i find that b2b marketing is much more relationship based when you're defining your personas you can literally go on linkedin and you can say you know if you buy a persona is you know the head of it or the it manager you can literally type it in and you can find some a, a person who would buy from you right like it, it it's not you know it's so it i find that the personas when when you're working on personas in b2b marketing they tend to be much more you know related to human like there's a human right there you can see them you can go to see their linkedin profile what they look like um and you can literally reach out to them and say hey like you know you you can actually do the outreach to them right and that's kind of one part of the b2b marketing is when you have sales outreach and marketing kind of working together is when you're actually reaching out to these specific people and yeah. and because of that i think the techniques there are certain techniques that are unique to b2b you know when we talk about account-based marketing like you don't have account-based marketing for example in b2c so much right because you take an account and you kind of go after you know, a certain company and you kind of start to write, try to do um, approach it from that account based level. Um, it, it's a, it also be, because of that, you know, the buying cycles are longer, of course, a lot of times, mm -hmm. not all the time, but most of the time B2B um, life uh, sales life cycle are longer. And it also gives you that opportunity to build that relationship with somebody else right like you're gonna have maybe you're gonna send them direct mail maybe you're gonna send them um somebody from the sales are gonna reach out to them maybe you're gonna invite them to a webinar maybe you know marketing you're gonna they're gonna receive a marketing collateral information so you have these more touch point points until the buy and because of those you are essentially building that relationship um yeah and love it, love it. Yeah, and I think another another big difference for me is in B2B, I find that the content marketing is slightly different and it's where you have much more opportunity to create this educational content where um, your buyers don't necessarily know how to do things and it's much more process related. And so the content I find is a little bit different as well and content marketing plays are different but different where it's much more educational um that's why i think <laughs> kind of sometimes new <laughs> marketing gets like a bit of a bad rap for having like the white paper like the boring content you know they call mm -hmm. them boring content when you have like the white papers and you know the guides and sort of all those types of things and yes sometimes they, you know they can be boring if they're not kind of done correctly um but that's what why companies do this is because they're trying to educate their buyers um, that go through their buyer journey. Yeah, yeah, interesting, valuable. Okay, let's talk about uh, reaching out to decision makers. And uh, for example, uh, okay, we need to achieve a company, but the company consists of human beings. Yeah, and uh, in the end, we need to reach out to uh, another human being, you know, to yeah. share what kind of value benefits you can bring to the company, how a company can grow with your uh, products that you market to them. Because, you know, uh, the reason why I'm asking about that, I get every single day a uh, hundred messages. Please buy guest posting, uh, many other stuff, uh, uh, name them, you know, uh, they don't care about me. They don't care about anything. And, you know, it's interesting, but that my spam box loves these messages, you know, uh, a lot of them in my spam box. So uh, I lead them directly because um, I don't know these people. They don't want to learn more about me. Uh, some of them can reach out and tell, I know that you love fashion. 
guys, it's my only one t-shirt, you know, for the week, you know, <laughs> I'm not good with that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it takes time to learn more about uh, recipients and we don't need to reach out to company. You need to reach out uh, decision makers who can transfer your benefits to other people who can decide yeah, to buy your products or not. Can you tell more about personalization? Because you mentioned about LinkedIn. I think you use LinkedIn to check out profiles, to learn more about recipients. Uh, uh, just share how you learn recipients, practical tips, and uh, how to write the right message that people want to consume. Yeah. I think it's a very difficult question, to be honest. And that's why a lot of people are as yourself and I get those messages all the time. I think we all do, right? <laughs> you are a part of some list um, and those lists don't get updated. I get calls um, about a position that I like about um, a position that I was like, like maybe like four jobs ago, right? It's like, Oh, you're like mm -hmm. a manager of digital marketing. It was like, yeah, like, four jobs ago or like five jobs ago I was uh -huh. so please stop calling me you know <laughs> so there's a lot of it to be honest it is a big issue right it is a big issue a keeping your database clean b um reaching out to people um with the right messaging right and c making it almost appear um as if you know kind of make it appears if you care right and some and, and companies do care right like it's it's kind of mm -hmm. that that idea is that we actually do care about our buyers is just how do we optimize this outreach right and mm -hmm. i think in that's where a lot of companies try to almost opt over optimize it or over um automate it where it kind of loses its purpose right and it becomes a pure numbers game where you have like oh i need a list of like a hundred thousand uh, contacts mm -hmm. and then, you know we're gonna have a conversion rate of like 0.5 percent or something <laughs> like a response rate. Like, and yeah. you're just kind of like really like is this is what you're doing right so um i think a much more yes it, it does make sense to sometimes um automate and, and optimize certain things i like you know that's why we have all the tools that we have but you almost have to do it in a very careful way where you don't offend your customers right when you go don't like when they don't think that you are just spamming them and i think that's where it comes you you kind of need to kind of care and also you need to um make sure your messaging is the right messaging and then you kind of make sure that you go there at the right at the right time in the right place right so there's like just mm -hmm. recently i read about um a really cool example of that where a company um in i um in the they're kind of in design subscription super side where you mm -hmm. know instead of bombarding people with emails what they would do they would for example um one of their sales reps where they will follow their um kind of account like their uh, ideal personas right like the people who mm -hmm. they want into they will find them on linkedin uh but they won't spam them right away with messages right they will just kind of interact with their content first they would like their posts maybe share their posts first and then maybe they share something with them right or they kind of start maybe you know interacting and the way social media algorithms work right like if you interact with a certain person or a certain company or a certain type of content you're going to get more of it right and so you're kind of letting linkedin to um to serve some of that content to your buyers right until the point when they interact right so they this um in the kind of example that i've read recently was the um the buyer the potential buyer he mm -hmm. i think liked one of the posts by like through that interaction he ended up liking one of the posts that the sales rep posted um or shared and it was about 10 best books on design right and then he liked it uh, the posts and he obviously interacted with it. So then it kind of gave the sales rep this opportunity to go back to him and be like, Hey, I saw you like my post. 
is there a particular book from that list of top 10 that you like the most or that you want to read maybe right and and the, and it was very personable right you kind of like oh okay something interactive with my content obviously they design books like can i start a conversation there and that person then they ended up kind of interacting and um the sales rep sent the physical book to a different country, you know, that that person wanted to read. And he's like, I really wanted to actually read the book. And now my physical copy of that book is on the way, right? And for a company, it's not, it's not that much of an exp expensive kind of um, investment to send a, a kind of a gift like that, but it's very personalized. I think that's where you kind of have to start looking for these smart plays that are treating people like people, right? They're not treating mm -hmm. people as contacts in their database, so there's a contact name, email, but they're actually treating people as people, right? Who have interests um, in there professionally, right? They also have a kind of, they also have um, interests outside of their profession, you know? So it could be done right. Um, I find that it also could be done kind of not so right sometimes. I, re I remember <laughs> I thought as like almost like the opposite example where I got a gift uh, from a sales rep like that uh, from a company. And I guess they couldn't find that much information about like things that I like or, you know, kind of like didn't know what to send me. But on my Twitter, um, it was on my Twitter profile picture. It was a picture of me with my dog. And mm -hmm. so, and, you know, and so I think they just kind of assumed that I like dogs, which I do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um and you know and they sent me like a toy dog in in mail and they're just like oh we know you see like dogs like do you want to talk about our software and i was like well <laughs> it's cute. It's so irrelevant right it's like it's not, uh -huh. it's not at all relevant to the what the company did so it almost felt a little bit stockish in a way um but also very kind of you know but it's like but the yes but i do kind of recognize that they put way more effort than some of the companies that did not do that right so it's kind of but it's like does that make me want to buy their product um i don't know mm -hmm. i don't think so right i didn't i don't think i ended up kind of working with them and kind of going further but it, it's you know those are different kind of examples right different you can either go just sort of do outreach and just to be like hey like this is our product do you want to learn about it? Um, you can kind of try to do it personalized and it can go both ways. That's, I think that's, I think for companies practicing tips, I think it's just trial and error learning maybe from other companies, how they do it, trying to find these little playbooks and try to find these little flows and uh, test it out on your market, test it out and see what works for you. Yeah. Love it. Love it. You know, Katya, you unhided some of my secrets. I thought I'm alone in this world, you know, who use them, but yeah, <laughs> you use the same approaches <laughs> about personalization. Yeah. Uh, okay, guys, listen until the end and you will know more secrets from Katya. Um, I, I didn't want to share them, but you can see that <laughs> I can do anything with that. Okay, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's talk more about boring content. You mentioned this one. And uh, I spoke with uh, Jim Edwards. Uh, he worked uh, 10 years in Business Insider. Uh, he started uh, from scratch and uh, then he achieved, uh, uh, they sold company for $500 million. Uh, right now, they, uh, I think uh, many people know about Business Insider. Uh, it's about business, about uh, achieving uh, growth, high growth with your business, many other stuff about stock, uh, even crypto. But, you know, he told me, uh, the secret of their success is to create uh, not boring content in boring niches. So they decided to create excitement content, entertainment content in boring niches. And that's why people love them. People sure. want to consume this content. Uh, and you mentioned this word, uh, boring content. Can you tell about uh, boring mar marketing messages? I see them all the time. They uh, uh, These messages have a lot of features, a lot of data numbers but when i check out apple advertisement i can see story about someone who uh, can use apple for example uh, i watch uh, the presentation uh, about new apple watch 
after yeah. that, I bought three pairs, you know, three because I can't buy one pair. I need to buy to my family members as well because they probably kill me. But you know, uh, Tim Cook shared three stories how Apple Watch can help others, you know, without any features. Uh, it's not sure. boring. Can you tell how to create excitement content? How to create content that people wanna consume? For example, if I see. I don't know, like Michael Jordan in new advertisement. I can, I love it, you know. But uh, when I see boring marketing channels, uh, campaigns, I don't remember them. I can forget after see one time. Can you tell about creating excitement marketing campaigns? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really, really topic, like a big topic that I thought about a lot, and I've. I, I'm very familiar with boring marketing content because it's, I think it's very easy to do for companies. It's very easy to fall into the boring marketing content because I think a lot of companies, they want to talk about themselves. They don't, you know, mm -hmm. they just want to, they're, it, it, it's almost like they're too close to their product, right? So they do think mm -hmm. they, um, they know the value of the product. They kind of have this vision of their product. They have a mission, what they're trying to do with a company. And they get super excited about it. They talk about it. They think about it, you know, all day long or, you know, eight hours a day. And at the end of the day, they, I think it's a bit of a tunnel vision where they stop recognizing that people don't know about their product as much as they do know about their product and about mm -hmm. the value the product can bring to those customers. And I, I kind of like to think about it, about that buyer journey where content falls within that buyer journey, right? So for example, mm -hmm. at each, each um, stage of the buyer journey, there's different need for different, there's need for different content and different types of content and different types of, um, formats, right? Of different mm -hmm. types of formats of that content. And so um, I'm kind of, because I work so much with B2B software companies, so I kind of give, I'll give that as one of the examples. And if you think about the B2B buyer journey, um, you know, you'll find that there is a small group of people who know already what kind of software they're looking for. So for example, hybrid workplace software or e-commerce CMS software or like mortgage intelligence software, right? Like these are specific categories of software that already exist. And people know that's exactly what they need because they've done their research. They talk to people. So they kind of know that's what they need. And they're like looking for top five like software companies within the hybrid workplace software, right? And then they kind of go from there and they, they like, um, demo all of them and go from there, right? And so these people usually look for those keywords um, that have the word software platform or tool in them, right? So these are people that usually go straight to demo. They don't really, you know, they don't really need to read that much content. They just need to know that you're the best company for them to work with in terms of the software, right? And those are like people have done their research. They've done everything. Right. And if someone is at that stage of the journey, the, 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 the kind of content that you need to serve them, it needs to be to convince you that you're better than your, your direct competitors. Right. So you kind of need to do those stories and the case studies, right. Like kind of, um, you know, it's probably similar that story to like sort of to the story that you were telling about the Apple watch, right? Like if we're kind of like doing the parallels with B2C a little bit more and it's like, you already know that there's, you know, there's Fitbit, there's Apple watch, and maybe there's like another company. I don't know the match, but maybe like you kind of know that already. Um, and you're just kind of like, Oh, do I really need to buy the, the Apple watch? Or can I really, if I just need to track my, heart rate and I need to track my steps, maybe I can go for something that's less expensive, you know, a little bit more simple. And I just don't need, I don't need all the features that the Apple watch provides. Right. And then you go and you listen to that presentation and they're like, Oh, look, listen, like this customer did this and this, like 
customer did that. And then these are all the amazing things. And what if you one day you need all these features, right? And you kind of get you get bought into it. And and then, you know, you're kind of become a customer after that. So it's similar here. It's like, yes, like we, you know, like this company. So you need to kind of build the case studies and the testimonials and you need to show your clients and anything that can kind of prove that have a social proof. And that's where your content sits there, right? And that content, again, needs to be not boring, right? But you need to really tell a story there. You need to really highlight like why you're the best of the best, right? And then mm -hmm. if you move a little away, like there are people who don't know the categories. They don't know what those um what those software like this name of the software they just know that they need for example e-commerce personalization like i just need something like a software that does e-commerce personalization whether you know that it is cms software or a different kind of software you don't know the category necessarily you just know the feature because you have this one problem that you're trying to solve you know that you have a problem of people dropping off your website because they don't feel like they're kind of welcome there. Maybe they don't feel like they're in the right place. So you think like maybe if I personalize my website and I personalize my content to their behavior and their characteristics, maybe then um, I can improve my conversion rates, right? And so you're looking for that specific feature. You might necessarily don't need other ones, but you need this one feature because you're trying to solve this one problem. And then your content is going to reflect that, right? Like your content needs to be very much be like um, to reflect that, right? It's like, why does your CMS software need to have personalization? Like why personalization is important? Why like why um, e-commerce companies can no longer do their marketing without e-commerce? Kind of like answer all of these questions and maybe um, kind of create this sense of urgency and create this uh, sense of like fear of missing out because like everyone else is doing it and kind of create that kind of content and maybe around it, right? And create that content and you can create, because, because the content stops being boring, I think, when it's relatable, right? It's like, if you're mm -hmm. looking for this answer, if you're looking for this, like, it doesn't matter, right? Like if you are, let's say like, um, again, kind of make a little bit of a comparison here, but if let's say you are <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, if you have, you know, if you just go and like WebMD, right. And you're looking for all these like different, like medical symptoms and everything. It's like, who wants to look at all that? Like, nobody's going to go there just for the fun of it. Right. Like, it's not going to be so boring. Like if you're just like there, what am I going to do there? Right. But as soon as you have a symptom and you're like, what is this, you know, headache that I'm having? What is it? Like, why do I have a headache? Right. And then you'll start when it's like, oh, you have a headache because like in your, you know, right side, because, and it's suddenly becomes so relevant because you have this problem of having a symptom. And now these are all the potential, you know, reasons why you may be having that symptom, right? All of a sudden this content starts having, like, you're so related because it's like, what if I have this? What if I have that? Maybe I just need to drink more water. Maybe I'm just, you know, maybe it's something, you know, and so, so you start kind of like going into that and all of a sudden this boring content since becoming so, so, so interesting, right? And so if you're trying to solve a problem of, in, in my kind of example of uh, personal, personalization in e-commerce stores, um, if you don't have a commerce e-commerce store, or if you um, if you don't really have that problem yet, or you don't know that that's a problem, you're gonna just skim through that content and not even think about it, right? Like you're not even gonna think. But once you know, you're like, somebody told me that I need to personalize my content, or uh, my competitor is obviously personalizing their content because I can see it on their website. You know, I can see it. Um, I need to do something too. All of a sudden, this content becomes so relevant, right? And it stops being boring. And that's what I think the trick is in not like the boring content is something that's not relevant. Um, and as soon as it's, it's, it's less about blows and whistles and kind of like, Oh, fun stories, but those all, those always help humor, fun stories, you know, um, nice kind of um, good design. Those are all really help. But if your if your content itself is not relatable, it doesn't matter. Right. And then I think finally, kind of if you, if you move even further away from from somebody who knows what they want. Right. You kind of have um, this large kind of big section of people who don't even know that they need software at that point. Right. Like it's um, what I found a lot working with tech companies is a lot of times people do what tech companies can help you do. A lot of their competitors are not um, other tech companies. 
oftentimes their competitor is an Excel spreadsheet. Because a lot mm -hmm. of times people um, get things done in Excel spreadsheets, like, you know, employee attendance tracking, for example, right? Like you have, can have a software for that, but you can also create a spreadsheet that says like, this is your, all your, um, all of your employees. And you just kind of like, maybe they enter, um, it's like, I'm going to be in the office on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'm going to be in the, and then they kind of all see, everybody can see what they do, right? You can have that in spreadsheets, for example. And um, in that case, your content, it serves a little bit of a different purpose where your content is supposed to tell a person that they have a problem, right? They kind of need to realize they need to get them through this, like, if they're searching for like employee attendance spreadsheet template, you need to get them from there and say like, hey, why kind of have a content, for example, it says like, why are, why is like spreadsheets a terrible idea for employee attendance, right? And why, just why you shouldn't be doing that, right? Maybe it's impossible to track, it's not safe, there could be like issues, it's, you can lose data, you know, people are getting frustrated, whatever it is, right? And, and kind of get them was like, oh, actually, yeah, you know what, like, Maybe if I use a tool for this that also has a feature of tracking something else, um, maybe that's going to really like let me look at what those options are. Um, and so and I think at all like the different stages where you can map your content to the pain point or to the need of the customer. And that's how you create. That's why I believe. So it's not in B2B often. It's not about making like it's not about boring versus fun. It's more like boring meaning irrelevant versus relevant content and i think that's what a lot of companies um in b2b struggle with is to finding relevant content and building relevant content um one of my favorite pieces of content that i um absolutely love and there used to be this company that got bought out they used to be uh, called funnel cake and the founder uh, was Marco Slavic, and um, I came across their content, and it was about sales and marketing process, and it's about like, systems, it's about like MQLs and SQLs and leading and lead models, and and you know it, that component can be boring, like it can be to somebody who's not interested in them, it can be super boring because like oh we don't like I don't do that right, but to me at the time it was so relevant because I was building a lead. Uh, management model and I needed all the information I could get and their content just it hit exactly where I needed to it came to me I found it at exactly the right time it was exactly the right place it was really well made it was it was written in a way that was very easy to consume and it also gave information and I've shared that piece and even though the company doesn't even exist anymore um, I still have that piece of content saved and I go look at it to be honest I refer to it back and forth because it's still I'm finding even like I've read it so many times I find that I go back and I I refer to that still um and and that's what you made a good piece of content is that it's like it's not fun it's not entertaining um as opposed to being boring but it is so relevant to my job um you know, and we did look at their products. So they had Funnel Cake, did have software, and we did kind of consider uh, purchasing. We went through their buyer journey. They didn't end up buying it, but we went through that buyer journey, um, like all the way to sort of the decision-making and I got the company involved and, you know, my like CEO of the company look at their product uh, because of their content, pretty much because of that piece of content, you know? So to me, that is like the bit of a difference between, you know, kind of the fun con, like boring versus um, relevant content. Yeah, love it, love it. So valuable. You know, Katya, uh, I found one interesting thing, you know, uh, people in no part of our world, uh, they're so serious, but your energy is quite different, you know, <laughs> compared to uh, Canadian people. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to share uh, where you can take this energy, you know, to share <laughs> this value, because, you know, uh, when you speak, when you, uh, you know, share this valuable insight, you do it with energy, with passion. I love it. You know, it's more important. You know? it's like... I, I love being, like, I love, just because I've explored so much of it, I went into like the depth of the internet to find this information and I love mm -hmm. sharing it with it because I do realize that, and I see it was like my clients too. 
um, a lot of of my clients, they don't know. And it, it was me before too, uh, when I used to work in B2B in kind of in-house role. They don't know what good looks like. They don't know what a good lead management model or like good marketing engine looks like from the back end of it, right? It's not so much just like, you go on a website and it's like, oh, they just did a redesign and look, they're sort of like created this new category and they have all these like funky fresh colors, you know, and they're, it looks like they're doing something correctly, but you have no idea. You don't know what kind of leads they have. You don't know what kind of, you know, what their funnel is, you know, how they're turning their leads into, let's say MQLs. You don't know how they're turning MQLs into like, um, you know, they're signing them to sales, for example, and you don't know that process at all. And you, it's almost like that is where, you know, what I find so exciting is that when you can then take content and influence all of that funnel with content, and it works. And I'm like, <laughs> to me, like the most, and if you haven't really noticed yet, but to me, the most exciting about part of marketing is marketing that works. It's less so about, you know, marketing that excites. It's more about that works in terms of performance. I do believe that marketing is uh, such a big um, influence on the bottom line, you know, it, and that's how this marketing system should be built with marketing kind of being that influence, uh, you know, or even the closer of deals, right? Sometimes when you have like more SaaS, self-serve sort of like product-led growth companies, that's where like you can take marketing and kind of take people throughout the entire journey into a buyer. When it's more like an enterprise level uh, B2B marketing, then you kind of have like marketing influences and passes all this goodness to sales and then they kind of do it. But yeah, but it's like to me everything. It's everything. It's like marketing that works. It's 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 where I get excited. <laughs> so that's why uh. I'm so excited to talk about it because um, I see how it can all work together. You know, after the podcast, I need to go to emergency room. You know, to uh, digest all these valuable insights. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to think how to use them, which one to take. <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, let's get back a little bit. Uh, you know, before the process, you mentioned a lot about buying journey, about uh, yeah. you know, uh, providing the right marketing message, uh, considering behavior, uh, buying persona. But what about uh, marketing strategy? How to create B2B marketing strategy? Because uh, I see when people open SEMrush, Ahrefs, uh, CRNK, many other great tools, mm -hmm. uh, they check out uh, what their competitors do. Uh, for example, sure. uh, their paid marketing, uh, ACO, organic reach, anything. And do the same, you know, yeah. without considering unique selling proposition without considering their strong sides, uh, competitors weaknesses, they just do the same what uh, work for their competitors. But competitors have their strong side. Yeah. And uh, they are successful because of finding their strong side. Can you tell about creating the right marketing strategy that consider your unique selling proposition and buying persona? Yeah. Again, big topic, but yeah. <laughs> I just scratched a surface of it a little bit. Um, uh, and I think you're right, right? Like people do look at those, what competitors are doing, right? And it's something that is easy kind of to look at, right? Sometimes you can do an SEO audit um, without having access to anything, right? So you can kind of like scan the website and you already know. I actually do that sometimes uh, with having SEO background. I, If I have a, a new client, sometimes I will not go to the website. I'll just put their, um, put their URL into Screaming Frog and just look at their website from the SEO, like the way that Google sees it, right? And I'll say like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, I'll kind of like, can I tell from this information? Can I tell who they are? right? Like what they do, what kind of, like what kind of services, what kind of products they offer. Um, if I were a, a Google bot, what would I, what would I say this company does? Like if I were to kind of summarize it. And I think that also kind of relates to the messages, like what you put in your kind of main tags there, like, it's like, how do you define your company? How, what do you put in title tags? What do you put in your H1 tags? Like how, what do you kind of like, uh, what do you, make people see first, right? Especially when it relates to like H1 and H2 tags, that's what people read, right? Because people don't read websites, they scan them. They read a, a kind of the title uh, titles and subtitles 
and headings and and that's it that's kind of like if they see something relevant they may continue reading later um mm -hmm. so i think you kind of said it really well that it's like yes you can you can copy what others are doing and try to kind of build a company that way and i see unfortunately i see way too much of that happening um and a lot of times i do have to have a conversation with clients that they're trying to do that you're like well look there's this industry and there's like lots of keys to like key keyword uh search volume for this keyword if only we can go and create a website that and rank number one and then like we're gonna get all the traffic and then we're gonna make all the sales right like it's kind of like that like sort of uh a little <laughs> like wishful thinking <laughs> but i think to avoid doing that as you said this when it comes to strategy to me um I always start with kind of building this, what I call kind of like a messaging hierarchy. And you look at your um, kind of mission, vision, and then product and then campaign level messaging. And so before kind of doing any work and there's like a new product that's launching or a new company that's launching, or even if I'm working with a new client, I always ask if they have this, do you guys have messaging um, identified, right? Like what are you kind of, what do you stand for as a company, right? And so, and if they don't have that, that's one of the first things that we usually do and try to define that. And, you know, you can have a very big kind of vision, right? It's like, okay, like this is what we want to do in the next like 10 years, right? Like this is a huge thing, right? And then you sort of move into the mission, which is usually um, maybe like the two, two, three year kind of mark, like this is what we want to achieve. And then you kind of say into the product and you say, okay, like this is what we, uh, we're trying to do in the next year to year and a half. And then your campaign messaging could be, you know, this is what we're doing in the next six months. Like this is the kind of campaigns that go out. And so by building that kind of matrix, um, you start seeing because you start kind of saying, okay, you know, yes, we have this huge vision of changing the industry, right? For example, we want to really change the industry of um, mortgages, right? It's uh, it's a very industry, very old. Everyone's like, it's very traditional. It's like, it's broken. It's not being done. We want to fix that industry and make it better for everyone, for for banks, for, for, um, for mortgage advisors, for customers, most of all, right? And you kind of like have this big vision, right? Like, okay, but what are we actually doing, right? Like, what are we doing in the next few years? And like, okay, we're building this platform that's gonna allow people to make it make their process that process easier, right? For example, and that's mm -hmm. what we're like, that's why we have developers, that's why we have product uh, team, that's why we have sales team, and so that's what we're trying to do, right? And then you kind of go into more like, but what are the features of the product? And then campaigns are who those features are relevant to. So you can say like, okay, we're marketing right now to um, to maybe like the CTOs of the banks and this is our campaign. It's like, um, this is the persona we're going to and this is the messaging. And so once you have that, I think it becomes fairly easy to then say, okay, we are gonna target, you know, like this is a messaging we're trying to push and this is our, our audience. And then you kind of say, okay, but how do you do it? Like, how do you go then, like, where do those people, like, what do they currently use? What do they currently buy, right? And you can, like, then kind of look at your competitors and say, like, okay, they're currently buying A, B, C, D, and spreadsheets, right? Like, that's kind of all your kind of competitive. And then you say, okay, but how are we different? And then you already have all that messaging sort of done. You can already have all these answers, right? So you can build that messaging. Um, and then you say, okay, that's cool. Where do they hang out? Like, who do they listen to, right? Like, so if you're completely launching the new, uh, a new website, a new company, and then you can say, okay, what is our website going to look like? What are the keywords? That, like, because you kind of have to then kind of break it down by channel and say, um, if we're going to go to market, where do we go? Do we focus purely on SEO, right? First, because mm -hmm. you kind of have to pick your focus. Do we have budget? Maybe we're going to go to just spend a bunch of money on paid ads create a, lot, a bunch of awareness and then try to get people to like convert, like maybe get leads and then try to convert them through like email marketing maybe. And so you kind of got kind of go through that process of creating the strategy. Um, and 
it's really, I think my, my question, uh, my answer is more like, it depends. It's like, there isn't one strategy that works for everyone. Um, but you go through that process of answer and you answer all those questions. And then at the end of it, you will have a go-to market strategy. Um, you know, maybe your strategy is if you're doing something, maybe your strategy is, you know, we're going to go on product hunt and we're going to do a campaign on product hunt. And that's how we're going to, you know, that's where we think most of our leads are going to come from. Right. Or maybe you have, it also depends on what I like looking at is kind of doing an audit of all the resources that a company has, whether they are already in business or they're just launching. Right. But because maybe, Maybe the founder has lots of connections and maybe they have already, maybe they've already have a huge following, right? Maybe they have like a hundred thousand people following them on LinkedIn. And that's already your asset that you can go and you can kind of start posting on social media and like already marketing to your existing audience and say, right? Um, maybe, as I said, maybe they have money, right? Maybe they have, um, they rest capital and then they can actually spend money on sponsorships or on PR or on me social media or on any kind of other partnerships, right? Maybe there is, um, I had a client who one of their founders built a really, really, really successful Udemy course. And so they were, it's like one of the top, not one of the, it was the top rated course on the topic in Udemy. And that's what they had. And so a lot of their marketing was going through, through their students. And so like their students were learning this new technology, new programming language. And then they offered this tool that was actually helping people who are using this programming language to make things easier uh, once they kind of join the workforce and start working on projects. Um, it's supposed to make things easier, right? So that was their go-to. So you always have to look at what assets you already have. Look, what's the, what's already exists? Because, you know, if, if you don't have something, like if you don't have, for example, um, that following, it's hard to get lots of, you know, it's hard to do, let's say, for example, email marketing, if you don't have a database of contacts, like just like, mm -hmm. so I would never suggest doing that, for example, versus if you say like, Hey, we're launching this new product and we have this list of like a hundred thousand students, like, could we use it? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, let's do it. Like, right. Let's wait, figure out what the best way to to figure out the email marketing strategy is. Um, and so for me, that's where kind of growth marketing, um, the term that's used a lot comes in. It's like, you need to, to build up on your strong sides, right? Because you can, that could be compared to your competitors, as you said earlier, that could be your competitive advantage, right? Something like that, something, an asset that you have already. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Uh, Katya, I have the final question to you. Yeah, uh, sure. Just one question. <laughs> uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do? To learn more about uh, building marketing engines. Oof, good question. Um, to me personally, I learned yeah. from doing, and mm -hmm. so if I were to do it, I would go. I kind of would probably do what I've already done. I would go work for an agency. I find that working for an agency uh, that already has clients, you get you learn so much so quickly. I would probably do it like if I have zero, completely zero skills, I would do an internship if I can. Um, if, if, you know, even if, if I have like no, like if completely from scratch, right? Like if we're kind of like playing with that scenario, um, I would do kind of some kind of an internship. I would do a lot of learning on my own. I would, um, you know, I would, kind of started to do a lot of reading on it, whatever I can find. Um, there's certain now different resources and kind of books and articles that come out. I just think sometimes it's hard to know what you're looking for in that, in that line of work. Like, because like, I think for, let's say for SEO, if you're like, okay, how to rank somebody like a number one. So like you, you type that in and you sort of, no, you kind of have that first and be like how to how to do SEO sort of thing, right? And at least you you can 
start somewhere, you'll probably come across one of the more like Ahrefs or Moz blog or like one of those content hubs that talk a lot about SEO. And then you start like kind of identifying who the, the, who the, who the experts in that industry are, right? I find that was like marketing engines and B2B marketing sort of is just very hard sometimes. I would, it would take me months to just even identify a term of something of what something is called, right? It's because people call things differently. People kind of, you know, there is not, I think there's a lot of information on LinkedIn. Like now people are starting to share more and more over the last, like a recent year. So I would follow people on LinkedIn from, uh, I mean, in my case, maybe large like tech companies and see who is writing about B2B SaaS, um, marketing and kind of follow them as well and a lot of times they will recommend books and they'll recommend articles and kind of so i would start with that so i would do too so self-education through kind of experts and maybe just you know reading things um and finding uh content and i would do practical um implementation through as i said i would piggyback on on an agency clients nice nice yeah uh i agree with you about practical uh especially about practical because i think you know people uh always often you know not always they often over learn you know just learn a lot but yeah. do nothing you know <laughs> uh acting only shows what actually works so if you do what you've learned if you practice and for me it's more important to uh do and act then uh, learn you know because uh, you can learn of course uh yeah. we need to spend time with that but uh you know uh i think uh, you can adapt to different knowledge skills uh to find something new to use your approaches to change something so yeah it's only acting can show what actually will provide results for you yeah i completely agree with you katya tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow you yeah, um, I think um, on LinkedIn is probably the easiest. Um, you can kind of send me a contact request. You can follow me um, on LinkedIn. I also have a Twitter uh, with kind of my first name, last name um, handle, although I've been quite quiet there, but I um, do have plans to kind of restart it. So, um, so yeah, join kind of or, you know, connect with me on those social media. And I think that's the best way. And I'd love to continue conversation. If anyone has any questions uh, or wants to talk more, I'm happy, always happy. As you can see, I'm very excited about B2B <laughs> marketing <laughs> and talking about it. Okay, guys, you need to follow Katya. You can see a lot of valuable insights. Uh, uh, I uh, follow Katya because I know I want to learn more. You need to do it as well because if you want to get new valuable insights, Katya is active on LinkedIn. He can share some valuable insights. You can follow on Twitter if you love this format. Uh, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime, you know, to share more value. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.